0: This snowy week thank you for joining us here on the on the four check podcast i'm nick morgan i'm a writer and editor at on the and as always i'm joined by the marshmallow to my hot cocoa sean c smith
1: hey that's i'll take that one this week that was that was quality it's timely timely is what it is non-controversial i'll take it
0: this kind of feels, Sean, like uh, the Frank Costanza Festivus airing of grievances, uh, <laughs> where, we, where we gather everybody around, shout, I've got a lot of problems with you people, because you and I have some chips on our shoulder regarding some overall takes on the Nashville Predators. And this week's yeah. episode is a chance to get that off of our chest.
1: This definitely, you're fired up. You definitely have a lot of problems with you people. And it's definitely time to air some grievances. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm ready to go. And I'm fired up.
0: Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of pieces that kind of started this whole thing. And I guess the overall message is this. The Nashville Predators right now, they're in first place in the Central Division um, as of this recording, which is right before the Predators versus Kings game. Um, they're first place in the Central Division, 9-1-1 in their last 11 games Uh, and other than like a little blip in the middle of November where they kind of had that weird road trip. uh, They have been points percentage wise, one of the best teams in the NHL. And yet they still do not seem to be getting the credit they deserve from around the league. For instance, Sean, uh, everybody knows I'm a podcast host over at the locked on predators podcast. Uh, the other Locked On host did a poll where they kind of did power rankings. The Nashville Predators this week, 17th, <laughs> not even in the top half. And that's just a first place team.
1: That's, but, you that's know, insane.
0: But it kind of got me thinking because I'm reading like other takes. Uh, there's one on NBC about like the Forsberg trade situation, which, oh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Oh, boy. But it was the assessment of the Predators is it's mind boggling. And I have to ask, Sean, are we looking at this team with Homer goggles? Is there something we're really not missing? Or is this just a case of people not understanding this Predators team and where they're at?
1: You know, Nick, let me say this, and that's I'm glad you brought up the homer goggles because I think it's very easy to get accused of that whenever you say positive things about a team that you both are covering and uh, are a fan of. And and let's let's make no secrets here. You know, we we write for on the check. This is a uh, a sports blog nation website, which is, you know, where kind of you, you know, fans of the team are the ones that are doing the coverage. So you know, while you may say uh, they're homers, they're biased, whatever, you know, I, I would say I can see where that comes from solely from that alone. But the reality is, if you look back at the beginning of the season, we all made predictions. I'd say a couple of seasons ago, we were very homery, predicting that the team would win the Stanley Cup and be in first place, win the president's trophy. But no one predicted that for this year. No, no. I don't think a single one of us said anything. I, I said bubble team at best. Yeah, well, I'm I said sure bubble test.
0: Yeah, we had PTSD from the last couple of seasons, too. Um, yeah. And I was kind of talking about this uh, on another show. It, this is a season in which it seems like everything's gone right for the Preds. Okay. But you still can't write them off. Like no? when you look at like the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup a few years ago, a lot of things went right for the Blues. Yeah. But nobody's putting an asterisk by that Stanley Cup win. No, so it seems people are trying to find ways to discredit, and I think a lot of that is directed at kind of national outlets and podcasts and stuff too. But that's still, I think, sort of a a vibe in the fan base as well.
1: Yeah, I, I guess, I guess for me, and, and I don't know, I didn't see the results of the poll you're talking about, and I, I apologize for being a bad. Uh... Yeah. follower here but it's um, on my twitter if you want to look at it it's on your twitter it's on my twitter your twitter okay i yeah. hey while i'm looking why don't you remind the people where they can follow you on hey you, you can find me
0: at underscore ns morgan on the bird so that's a good
1: little uh mid-show plug for you look at that so i'm i'm at underscore ns morgan uh right now and yeah let's take a look here um Okay, yeah, you've got the Predators in seventeenth. Well, right,
0: I host don't host. have the Predators in seventeen.
1: Okay, well, the is it the Locked On hosts or the Locked On listeners?
0: It's, it's the Locked On hosts.
1: Okay, so the Locked On hosts—people who definitely are paying attention to hockey, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah,
0: great, great group of people, very talented.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's really curious here because. If you look at the teams that are ranked up very high, let's go ahead. You've got the Panthers in first, Canes in second, the Caps in third, the Leafs in fourth, the Lightning in fifth. And no one can make an argument that these teams don't deserve to be there. Yeah. But to have the, and I know you can talk about games in hand or whatever with the Predators right now, but you know they're in first place in the Central Division, and they're in 17th on this power rankings list. That's insane to me. Ahead, Absolutely insane.
0: Ahead in the standings of three teams: Minnesota, Colorado, and St. Louis. Yeah, no, so. four because Winnipeg is ranked fifteenth yeah. as well. So yep. they are fifth in the Central in these power rankings, but first in the standings. And yeah, like you mentioned, points percentage wise, I think the Predators are third, but don't discredit them for that.
1: And I think I think maybe that's the case, but I don't know. It's you, you take it beyond that too, and and I know that not everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast and is a fan of the Predators is is also, for example, a fan of the Tennessee Titans. But I think it's a very similar problem. And and if I think about it, um, you know, trying to look at it as a global issue, maybe not global, but national issue, the reality here is I think maybe when you are a an expansion team for, for what it's worth. Um, you know, a team that in the grand scheme of things is still relatively new. Um, unless you're, you know, supported by a few Stanley cups you don't get respect is what I would say. Yeah. Do you think that's a fair assumption? Let me take a look at this list. Maybe just teams around the NHL don't hear as much
0: about the Nashville predators and, you know, take for instance, Vancouver is bad. And we all know they're bad because we hear about stuff happening in Vancouver every single week. You know, same with the same with the Leafs, like whether they're first place like they are um, right now are actually second behind the uh, Panthers in standings. um, Or they're horrible. You hear about it, you know, same for the Rangers, Canadians, Penguins to a lesser extent. Yeah. Nobody really hears a lot about the Predators, and I was having a conversation. Uh, we had a guest on our uh, another podcast I do recently, and um, you know we we were talking about how how kind of the Predators' place in the standings, and um, they were doing some research. And it's like, yeah, I was researching this, like I was going through the Predators' past couple games, and I was shocked to see the Predators in first place because. I didn't hear, I haven't heard anything about
1: them turning a corner. I thought they were still in rebuild mode. Right. And and I think it's, it's surprising when you hear people say that, but I, I have to remember too, and this is, you know, I work with a lot of people um, that are Predators fans. And so I think when I talk to them that they are paying as close of attention as I am to everything. And what I find out really quickly is that they're not yeah um and is, so is
0: pk suban still on the team
1: yeah <laughs> yeah suban <laughs> yeah is he still is he still playing suban yeah. what is about what there? about
0: pekka renee yeah pekka oh, renee. We, we love pekka renee
1: yeah big time pekka yeah. Renee fan. yeah um so I, I guess maybe there's an element of you know you take a team from what you might call a smaller market you take a team from what you might call a non-traditional market and then you a, a lot of noise was made by a lot of people at the end of the season, you know, that they were going into, quote unquote, the competitive rebuild, which are words I believe Poyle took back. And yeah, that's what well, got all well, the mess
0: those words
1: caused across the yeah. NHL. So he's like, ah, let's rephrase that. Yeah, let's backpedal a little bit here and I don't blame him, you know. It 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 sent a different message than I think he intended. I think he was trying to say we're gonna be retooling some things that we hope to be competitive, as opposed to, ah, we're gonna rebuild, but we're also gonna win a few games. That might be nice, huh, fellas? But uh, you know, that's the la- when you when you have a team like that, you only hear really big things. And so if they're quietly putting together a solid season. That doesn't really get out. You know, if, if Pecorine scores a goalie goal, everybody knows about it. Oh, and everybody yeah. attention for a few minutes. But, you know, past that, unless there's some kind of awful or wonderful thing that happens, um, I guess nationally, or really, dare I say, internationally. huh? Uh. Because We've got to remember Canada here. Um, but internationally, it's not getting as much publicity. As, as we would think it would be getting because we're the ones sitting here covering it, following it, paying attention to it. So I, I guess if I try to take all fan-based emotion out of it and, and all of the uh, I'm frustrated because my team is doing really good and nobody seems to notice or care away, I get it. Sure, right? yeah. we get it, but, you know, the people who are watching TSN and and channels like that, they don't they don't want to, you know, They don't want to talk about the Predators, do they? I mean, they want to hear about their teams.
0: I think the issue with it is, though, is there there seems to be kind of misguided takes about where the Preds are, or at least in my mind. And there's one article on NBC that was talking about the Forsberg situation, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Trust us, it's on the rundown for the day. Um, But it was about the scope of kind of where the Preds were at. And... You know, the, it basically said, look, all these players are under contract and they're right around 30 years old, which automatically means they're going to be bad soon. Right. And it's I guess it's just kind of maybe the right word for it is lazy. But I don't know if it's lazy reporting or... is
1: lazy. Is that what you're saying?
0: I think the the logic that's being used is lazy. Um, well,
1: it's it's looking it's it's cherry picking, isn't it? it you know, is, you're looking at a maybe stat that's a like age. Word. Yeah, you're looking at a stat like age and you know contract status and going, oh, this bad situation. Yeah. Um, you know, and I really feel like, and maybe I'm I'm way out of base here. It it seemed like if you looked at the state of the team a couple of seasons ago, um, and you you took the again take the emotional aspect out of it, right? Yeah. Take the emotional aspect out of it, your your uh, affinity for certain players, your distaste for others or um, things like that. You know, the, the cap situation on this team was really kind of sketchy. And but it, it seems it, like well, now, yeah. now, I mean, realistically, it's not that bad. And it, it's happened very quickly and with without a lot of fanfare for it happening. You know, I was I was talking to, to Alex Doherty on on a different podcast that we do together, and you know, he said he's like, you, "You can sign Forsberg. You've got room for that now. Yeah, you can. You're already paying him this much. You add a few more million to it, he gets it. It's not a huge deal. It's not a big impact. And and realistically, there are some large contracts, but they're not contracts at least in this season that look terrible. Whereas maybe a couple seasons ago, it was a big Question mark and a head scratcher, right? Well, let's talk about the Forsberg situation then. Yes, uh, let's,
0: uh, because he's really good. I don't know if you've noticed that, Sean.
1: Um, um you know, I, I looked at his age, and I
0: look. No, yeah, I know he's. <laughs> good. he's just, yeah, he's he's three years away from turning thirty, so he's probably got another two years left of him before uh, the lower back pain just destroys him.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I, I just got off the, the post-morning skate media call uh, earlier, and they we talked to Alex Carrier, and he was asked about watching Philip Forsberg play, and he used the, the term magician to describe him. So um, this, I really like that. He said he's a magician. So yeah. Well, yeah, anybody
0: anybody who can still put up those numbers after the age of 27 – Woof. I mean, whoa! What a what an inspiration! Uh, Roman Yossi's thirty-one. Um, so I hope he's getting his you know final affairs in order because the crypt is coming to call. Um, hey, let's go back to Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Okay. Forsberg, uh, on pace for the best uh, season of his career: uh, twenty-seven points in twenty-five games played this year. Um, he is by far the hottest predator on the team so of course the fact that he's an unsigned unrestricted free agent for next year is starting to come back into play a lot of pieces this week kind of about his future and what they think the pred should do at the deadline there's naturally a lot of fan tweets and kind of Twitter back and forth between some uh, predators personalities about where they stand on the Forsberg situation. And let me just say, I get it. Like he's a big name for agent. You you're scared of losing him for nothing because you lost Ryan Suter for nothing. And also, you know, you, you do want to have an eye towards the future, but Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, the notion of a team who is right now in first place and who is pretty well equipped to handle a less than stellar Western conference in the postseason this year. Why would you trade the guy who's arguably been your best forward all season long? Like where where is point out how that makes sense to me?
1: So it it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. I know it definitely doesn't make sense to you. But I feel like some of that sentiment is coming from the same people who don't think that the predators are doing very well right now, right? Right. You know, I think I think there's that element of we're looking at this team through. Uh, we talk about Homer goggles. Let's look at it, look at the team through the lens of someone who's not really paying very close attention and is still operating off of the competitive rebuild narrative, right? Right. You know, so, of course, if that's all you know about the team is that the the general manager said at the end of last season, we're going on a competitive rebuild, and you're obviously not paying attention to what the team's doing or where it is in the standings, it makes sense to make sure you don't lose him for nothing because, in their mind, Philip Forsberg wouldn't want to stay with his team through a rebuild. Which, fair. Fair. That's my guess.
0: And and the thing is, I think there's a different conversation of do you trade Forsberg? And which is the answer to that should absolutely be no, at least at this point, barring some wild run where the Predators absolutely put together a collapse of epic proportions um, and whether you think Forsberg's going to resign. But here's the thing, like, let's say the Predators are where they're at right now, or at least pretty close to it. If you're David Poyle and you take a team that's about to make a playoffs is doing really well in the standings and you take a big reason for that success and sell it for future assets. What message does that send to the players on your team? It's you're basically telling them, you know, Hey, good job on getting us to this point, but you know, we're more concerned about maybe having a couple of good draft picks this year or next than we are, you know, putting together a shot at you guys going deep in the playoffs in your prime years. So, uh, hey, you know, thanks for your service. Have a great summer, everybody. Yeah, that it w- it doesn't make you a forward thinking GM. That makes no. you the Arizona Coyotes.
1: Ooh, ooh. I mean, am I, I wrong? That. Like is, is is am I wrong in that? No, you're not wrong. You just you said some really ugly words out there, and I I mean, you know, this is a family show, Nick. I don't know. But here's here's the thing. Um if you look at the success of this team this season, one of the biggest things it's based on is that everybody on the team is bought in and they're playing for one another. There's a next man up mentality that has become incredibly impressive, especially considering that The team dealt with injuries through last season as opposed to COVID and now is dealing with COVID this season and dealt with COVID in a pre-taxi squad world with resounding, outstanding, stupendous success um, before things got paused for Christmas. And if the teams found success with that and John Hines has built up all all of this capital with his team where they... They trust him. He trusts them. They play hard for each other, and you—you you even see Hines now fighting for them when there's calls that, that are questionable on the ice. And then you trade away someone if you're in, you know, making a run at the playoffs. At that point, you trade them away. That all that's gone, and you're essentially through that one act. You are blowing up the team.
0: You know, and that that hurts you later on because yeah. you're going to be. It- hard pressed to get people to buy into what you're doing we've talked about that all year long about how you finally got players to buy in and believe in this team and then right. if you make a trade even if it's for look future reasons or we're concerned about not being able to resign him we don't want to use him for nothing or lose him right. for nothing yeah like that's that says, well, thank you for buying in,
1: uh, but we're not buying in on you. So That's exactly right. You you lose the entire room at that point. Yeah. So it's You lose every player that, that puts on the uniform, and I'm gonna say that entire coaching staff as well.
0: Here's like one final question. And I think you and I both probably have the same answer. There's no way David Poyle's entertaining a trade for Fordsburg, right? Like he <sighs> we, we can say he's off the, the market barring, barring the predators
1: falling off a cliff. Hmm. Well, you know, here's the thing. I don't think he's necessarily not having any conversations with anyone. I mean, he's the GM of the team. He'd be crazy to not. I mean, if there's some kind of outstanding deal out there that outweighs the negatives, I mean, surely he'd want to know about it. Right.
0: What? Well, what would that be?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I'm gonna
0: want to still keep the
1: momentum going, right? You'd want to be still good right now. Well, but that's that's the thing, and let me let me explain. When I say he'd be crazy to not know what's available, right? That doesn't mean that he's necessarily on the table, if that makes sense. And I, I'll, I'll use this example: when my wife and I were were engaged and we were registering for for our wedding and registering for gifts, we went to Bed Bath and Beyond, like everybody does. and picked stuff for the house right um i we also went to best buy and i started registering for like really fancy expensive appliances and my wife said what are you doing this for and i was like look if somebody wants to spend a bunch of money i better give them a target right right so i mean if poil is not at least aware of what's out there if somebody comes and says like hey we want to buy you this this uh giant flat screen tv i mean you might want to pay attention to what they're saying doesn't mean he's on that mean he's gonna do it it doesn't mean that he's gonna pull the trigger on it but it, it, it doesn't even mean that forsberg's really available but he'd be a bad GM if he weren't listening
0: okay from that point of view I can see what you're saying yeah. I think I think the point I was trying to make is he's not going to actively shop forsberg right right, right. okay it's not a no. situation where forsberg's gonna be like hey, this guy's on an expiring contract. We're gonna sell him to another team for a first
1: round pick, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I, no, 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 no. So, I, okay. I agree. that's not so what's we, going
0: on. So maybe that was my fault for not worrying that question better. But okay, so so we're on the same page about that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other players we want to talk about. Another big topic of conversation has been uh, awards. Even though it's the beginning of January, uh, including Tanner Janot, does he deserve to be in consideration for a Calder Trophy win this year? Uh, that's that's a lively chat. But first, Sean, guess what time it is? Oh, let me see. Um, is it pudding time? Uh, it can be. Ooh, that sounds wonderful. All right. All right. It's trivia time. Uh, Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, uh, Not as delicious, but always as fun. Um, Sean, today's questions are about the wonderful men of the Predators who have worn the letter C on their chest. Okay. Uh, This is a captain's question. There have been two Predators who have officially been named captain of the Predators for only one season just one season can you name the two you're gonna get a second to think about it hold your thought come up with your list of guys give me the answer in just a second all right before the commercial sean i asked you who were the two predators players to officially be captain of the preds for just
1: one season Okay, so I, I've done a lot of thinking, and usually you ask me questions. I, I don't know if we've kept track of, like, how many of these I've gotten wrong, but it's got to be most of them. Well, um, it's fine. No, I'm sure it's just hot garbage. But here's the thing. I, I, I'm pretty sure on one, all right? And my, my, my first one I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure, maybe 99.5% sure that Mike Fisher was only the captain for one season because – and let me let me tell you why I think that was because Shea Weber was the captain before, got traded. In the offseason. season, mm-hmm. brought Subban to the team. Fisher becomes captain where he had been wearing an A. He's named captain at the beginning of the season. That was the year he retired as well. When he came back to the team, Yossi was already captain. I think that's one of them. You are right, and everything you just described is accurate. Look at me. Yeah. So Mike Fisher. Look at won. me. Okay. Do you know? So the and then, I
0: was it Walker. It was not Scott Walker, although he did wear the C for two weeks. But he was not the official team captain.
1: So he So why was he wearing it then? Uh, because Let, Greg.
0: Greg Johnson got hurt. Uh, Scott okay. Walker wore the C for two weeks. I don't know why they just go three A's, but they kind of gave Walker the C, but he wasn't the official captain. Okay, because, that was because Greg Johnson came back and then was, captain was again. It is Mr. Kimo Timonen. Oh, way back in 06, 07, kind okay. of a similar situation. So Greg Johnson was captain. Uh, He was either released or was a free agent after 2006. Mm -hmm. Kimo Timonen became the team captain, uh, led the Preds to what at the time was their best uh, season in team history. And then at the end of the season is when the whole Blackberry Gate thing happened and the Predators were being fire sold and Kimo Timonen got traded to Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Well, he was only captain for one season
1: hmm well at least I was half
0: right Do i get half a point? you do all right you get points it's we'll we'll give you a point for each right answer how about that if that, that sounds if good that, that sounds nice a little bit better. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, speaking of points and awards and all that fun stuff, the big one that's been flying around um, thanks to a a post from our buddy, Kyle Perkins has been Tanner Janot in the Calder race. And I guess to, to Kyle's uh, credit, this was a conversation that had kind of been brought up by Chris Mason and Willie Donick before, but you know, Tanner Geno, Sure. In the Calder race yeah i mean like and, and here's my thing about it is i'm very very happy that tanner janeau is in the conversation i don't know if he's going to win it i probably won't win it barring something wacky but i am glad that
1: he's in the conversation no I'm i'm glad he's in the conversation too and i think I think the problem with, again, if you're listening to this and you're not on Twitter, this is probably where 98% of <laughs> this conversation yes. is happening. But but my, my good friend, my my fellow Kentuckian, Kyle Perkins, did he posted, uh, basically it was like a stats picture comparison thing, just with some stats. And I don't think he ever intended to say that Tanner Janot should be the front runner for the Calder. No, no, um, but it was no. taken that way by a lot of other, other teams, fans, um, specifically uh, Red Wings fans. And I don't want to take anything away from their player because man, uh, dude's legit. But you know, the reality is saying that someone is worthy of mention in the discussion is not the same as saying that your player should not win it. And I think that's why it's been frustrating is I don't think his intention was ever to say, Nope, this guy should win it hands down. You're wrong. Your guy sucks. I think what he was saying was hey, look, here's a guy who's definitely an incredible story in the first place. But beyond right. that, he's putting together a solid season and he's doing it through a lot, a much different situation than a lot of the other front runners are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worthy of mention. I think it's worthy of consideration. But I, I certainly don't think that means that, that anyone's saying, nope, he should be the winner hands down. But at the same time, you've got to fight for your guy, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, if, if someone's in the, in the conversation, make your case for him. I mean, he may, he still may not win, but just because he's uh, a third line player, just because he has fights, just because he does other things that, you know, your top, your top line elite scoring machines don't do uh, doesn't mean that he, he shouldn't be talked about at all. And, and hands down, should he be in the conversation he should definitely be discussed. Is he going to win? Well, that would be great. But probably not. And and I think that's I think that's okay to still make a case for a player on your team. Yeah. Even if they're not the front runner. And I don't think other other fans or fans of other teams and other players should get their feelings hurt by that either. I mean, well, what do want us to do?
0: Well, let, let me let me backtrack on that for a second, because I don't think um, I think it kind of got to a thing where it was maybe misinterpreted a little bit. Um, and to be fair, I don't think it's just a Red Wings fan thing. I think if you did something like that to a member of the like Toronto Maple Leafs, you'd also get the same reaction. I think it's just each fan base has its own section of dumb fans who get very vocal when they take things the wrong way. Um, Here's the thing about, you and this conversation came up before um, I believe it was Chris Mason on Twitter who kind of vouched for him. What was, yeah, you know, a a couple of the other guys are having great seasons scoring wise and um, Janos only fourth in terms of scoring, but find somebody who does what Tanner Janos does among that group. He's like a, a different type of player. And sure. I think that was more of the conversation is, hey, let's not discredit Tanner Janot, um because he's not necessarily, you know, the first round, like a first line guy, but right. he's, you can't argue he's been one of the more valuable rookies to his team. And I will say this, if this wasn't a rookie class that was absolutely insane like a rookie class that didn't have Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, and Trevor Ziegris in it. Absolutely, I would say Tanner Janot has a very strong chance of being in the top three. I just think this year, Ziegris Raymond and Sider are a different type of rookie player. I mean, well, they're, it, they're, they're they're having an impact on their team, yeah, uh, on their respective teams that you know, I, I equivalent to Austin Matthews, almost. Sure.
1: And, and a lot of those teams, you know, I think about the Ducks specifically. Yeah. I mean, we're essentially just, you know, just uh, dangling on the edge of the cliff there. It seemed like after they after they lost in the Western Conference finals in 2017. And then all of a sudden, I don't It's like, whoa, hold on. This is a legit team. What happened? Yeah. What happened? You know, they, they've got a, a hot rookie that's coming in and lighting things up. And it's changed a lot by one player has changed a lot for that team. And I think, you know, if you look through it, if you look through that lens it's definitely worthy of saying, yeah, this guy should be a front runner. And if you want to make that comparison between, between someone like Zegris and Janot, then I think that's a fine thing to say is like, look at the impact that, that Zgris has had on his team versus Janot, because although Janot is an important uh, cog in the wheel here for the Predators He's not the only thing that's turned things around.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also the thing that it's going to come down to is, you know, the predators have Roman Yossi, they have UC Saros, Philip Forsberg. And then you have guys like Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson and Mikhail Granlund, who are all having their best seasons in years. Um, but, you know, you, you take Trevor egress out of that Anaheim lineup. You, you take cider and, and Raymond out. Um, and then, anaheim and detroit are back to where they were last year and i yeah. think that's the thing is they're the biggest they're a bigger percentage of their team's success and that's not to say Geno isn't like Jano has definitely been an x factor for the predators this year if you don't believe me look at those two games uh right before the christmas break where half the team had covid and he was playing 25 minutes a night yeah. You know, he he is definitely a big reason for the Pred's success. I just think that those top three in the Calder race are bigger reasons for their team's success this year.
1: That's and that's that's definitely something to consider. I was actually, you know, you and I were talking before the show, and, and I uh, we were looking up stuff about the Calder, and and the wording on this is that it's presented annually to quote the player selected as the most proficient in his first year of competition. And what's interesting is, is you and I have been talking about it in a little bit different terms, haven't we? We've been saying that looking at it at the impact the player's had on his team, which is more of a, you know, say an MVP type, type situation. Right. Um, but it's interesting if you're looking at it, the player selected as the most proficient in his first year of competition, does that shift the perspective on this at all?
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of that weird debate, and sort of that one that we had with uh, Roman Yosi when he won the Norris a few years ago. It's yeah, yeah there, there's players who have had better seasons than him that year, but his season was the most impactful to the team, and you, right. you know you kind of saw it all around when you kind of looked at the whole scope of his game. Um, yeah. and so it's 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 that weird debate that always happens with MVP trophies it's like okay are you going it to the player who's literally the best player in the league like the most impactful or are you giving it to who had just the best individual season so it's an interesting debate and it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how voters sort of interpret that at the end of the year yeah. um now let's let's stick with the hardware talk Sean you okay. um, see Soros in the Vesna conversation. Um, it it seems like, well, at the very least he should be a lot higher than sixth place this year.
1: I agree with that. Uh, Yeah. I think when you go back, you know, let's, let's be realistic here and let's, let's look at what we were saying earlier about the team in general, not getting the respect we, you and I are saying it deserves, um, you know the Vesna trophy is voted on by the general managers. Um, and so to me, it seems like, you know, if if you're looking at it from that that lens again, that it's going to be harder for someone like UC Soros um, to kind of get as many looks as someone from a bigger team would. Is, is that way off base?
0: No, I don't think so at all. Um, and I also think the thing hurting him is that um, – the shutouts aren't there and that seems to be the sexy stat that everybody uh that all the voters immediately gravitate to um, yeah. But i mean his stats are certainly there to put him in the conversation uh, goalies with 20 plus starts he's um fourth and save percentage so you know he, he's definitely making an impact when he's on the ice um you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be top three this year just because there are a couple goalies, mainly Jack Campbell and Igor Sisterkin, who are having just video game type number years. Yeah. Um, Tristan Jerry in, in Pittsburgh, who, God, I remember when everybody was like, oh, dear God, we got to find a different franchise goaltender than Tristan Jerry. So I don't know if Saros is going to be in the top three this year. But that being said, Sean, I think I can safely put him in the category of, I guess, elite goaltending, like elite goaltenders, because, yeah. I mean, this is the third year in a row that he has been, you know, way above average in terms of goaltending. So yeah, at the very least, hey, franchise goaltender.
1: Yeah, he's got to be he's got to be in that, I want to say conversation, but he's got to have that kind of tag attached to him at this point yeah, and it's, it's like something echelon. it's something it's something that we yeah i like that the echelon it's something that we in nashville at least have have known about and it's something that i think has gotten a little bit of traction outside of nashville as well is that and i you know where i think a lot of it comes from honestly is because he is shorter and people like to talk about a short goalie so when you have a short goalie uh, performing above average like that much less um at the top of the game uh it's something that people take notice of
0: well in the same vein uh roman yossi and the norris trophy uh a lot of people are kind of pointing out that he's having a better year this year than he did when he won the norris um the stats line up so far with, with that assessment um yeah and this is another interesting one sean because there's just a couple of defensemen besides Yossi that are just having so, like, wildly good seasons that it's, like, going to be hard to tell, like, you know, you know, we know Roman Yossi's good. We know he is having a hell of a season and, and what he means to this team. But is he, like, one of the three best defensemen this year?
1: Well... You know, I think it's hard, and it, it you always have these situations when it comes. I think specifically to the Norris Trophy is that you have you do you have those outliers where you have a guy on a team that just has an incredible, like a lights out season, you know, and it, and it makes that it's hard when you've got a player who's also having an incredible season or a better season than when they won it before, or or however you really want to put it. But the, the reality is. Um, you're going to have someone that just goes and plays crazy all year avoids injury. And they're going to be a shoe in for the, for the award, most of the time. Um, You know, so I I guess it's, and you certainly don't want to be the person who's like, well, maybe they'll get injured because no one wants that. You know, no one wants, no one wants your guy to win because somebody else got hurt. You know, that's, that's just, that's silly talk. But the reality is if someone's on a tear, even if your guys having a just an incredible season, they're going to be on a tear and they're going to be the ones that win it. And you can't be too upset about it because, hey, you know, if you if you didn't if you weren't better than the best guy, and it goes to the best guy, so be it, right? Right,
0: you know, and it kind of brings me back to an interesting point. Uh, I think this was Sarah Sivian who tweeted it today because um, I think um, Dom at the Athletic had put out his uh, you know pre season or his mid season hardware trophy whatever you want to call it favorites um and there are no hurricanes in it even though the canes are, are in first place and one of the nhl's best teams this year and she's just like you know what it, it's fine um you know even though there's there's some players on the canes that I think should be giving like more of a recognition so to speak yeah. um But it's okay because that's not who the Canes are. They're a team of a lot of solid players playing very well together. And I think that same argument can apply to the Preds. It's like, look, I don't know if UC Saros is ever going to win a Vezina. I don't know if Roman Yossi is ever going to win another Norris just because there's other players that really, really stand out in terms of their individual game. But that's okay because look at the impact Those two have on their team, and you can say the same thing about Tanner Gino. Look at the impact he's having on the Preds this year. And you know what? If if the Preds are kind of wind up in hurricanes territory, and they become this just like hodgepodge collection of players that it just you know everything seems to be clicking for them every single year. That's fine, right?
1: Hey, I'd take it. I'd take take it it all day
0: long. Yeah. So, so maybe it's just a matter of perspective, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, I, I guess to summarize, I definitely think we, we should see um, Roman Yossi and UC Saros in the conversation uh, for their respective position awards. Don't know if it's going to happen, but
1: you have to be happy with the impact that they're having on this franchise. Well, and, and I'll be honest with you, Nick, it's just nice to have players in the conversation um, you know, yeah. we, we, we've we been through several years where it was just no one ever, um, you know, and it's definitely a younger franchise and, you know, definitely not the fast track to, to you know, big time results like some franchises were afforded. But the, the reality is, you know, we've got several players we can have this conversation about. We've got several awards we can talk about. and And by golly, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we are not even mentioning the fact that the Preds have another rookie that is higher on that, that list for the Calder than Tanner Janot. Yeah, Alexander Alex Carey. Carey. So, Eric. you know, it's it's crazy that we've had this whole conversation for however many minutes about all this variety of awards. And we still haven't even mentioned all the guys that are actually in contention for them. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Carey is another interesting one. Uh, that's... That's a, that's a different conversation because I think his game has been a little bit more subtle than just scoring a lot of points. And I think that's what attracts some of the voters. Um, but hey, Barrett Jackman won the Calder Trophy one year. So did Tyler Myers. So, hey,
1: yeah, maybe it's... Carrier
0: will be uh, standing on the podium at the, uh, the yeah. end of the year or whatever socially distance award thing we're going to be doing. Yeah. Well, Sean, it's uh, snowing outside.
1: It is. Uh, This this is the most
0: snow in a couple of days that I can uh, recall in Middle Tennessee in quite some time. Uh, Even though I'm enjoying it from afar. That got us thinking. uh, What is your favorite snow day memory?
1: Oh, wow. Nick, that that makes me nostalgic.
0: Well, that was Um, the point of this whole thing. Like, I was expecting, like, (laughs) nice little, like, fuzzy memories like the, the entire like scene of the movie and uh what what you call it what was that movie you were just talking about oh a christmas story you know like how yeah. everything's got kind of like that old school haze over it like yeah happy piano music
1: oh man well you know it's it's funny because you know you talk about snow and i lived the first half of my childhood in, in the bay area of california and of course there's no snow there at all um in fact the entire time i lived there it never once snowed so um and since then i don't know if it has either and then we moved to kentucky and of course it snows in kentucky granted it doesn't snow a ton and it doesn't snow quite often we did have a pretty big blizzard once and we were there and a big ice storm we got stuck in the house without power for a week and you know had to cook things on the fire and it was you know we're yeah. using water that we'd filled up before it froze and all sorts of cool stuff. But I think my favorite, my favorite snow memory, and I'm going to go with pure childhood nostalgia here and not like, um, adult grown man, I have kids and they played in the snow and we had fun. Um, but I, I think I was probably in eighth grade and we were living out in very rural Kentucky and my best friend at the time, um, his name was Sam and he lived about a mile and a half from me. It was just him and his mom Um, and my mom and I were living with, with my grandparents at the time. Um, and I always remember Sam when we were younger and I would go visit because my grandmother sold eggs and little Sam would walk from his mom's house to, to buy eggs from my grandmother and take them back. And that's, that's how they knew him. So when we were the same age and when I moved there, Hey, remember this kid, you guys are the same age. You should be friends. And we were. Now, the cool thing was Sam's driveway, we were kind of down in a holler, if you if you will. Um, but Sam's driveway was down a hill, um, and the hill that, that was his driveway ended, um, and went flat right about on top of a little flat bridge across a very small Creek. Not one of those big, tall bridges, but just a little cement bridge with culverts, uh, underneath it. And, uh, we decided after I walked a mile and a half to his house in the snow, um, that we were going to take his sled, which was had the actual, you know, like rails on it and everything. And we were going to go down that hill and try to shoot across the, the, uh, the bridge because we thought we'd get some good speed um, because everything was covered with ice underneath the snow. So we start taking this, this sled down the hill, and we've got this good track. It's good path made and everything, and we're just picking up speed every time, having the time of our lives. And, of course, we've been out in the snow forever. Like I said, I'd, I'd walked a mile and a half to get there. And at one point, you know, those sleds, they're steerable. And uh, I don't know what happened. We were both on it. I was riding the back and I think I must have pulled on him or something and his arm turned and just the sled just went just off to the side a little. We hit a rock and it just shot us both off the side of that bridge and straight into the water. And, you know, it was probably 25 degrees outside. We were freezing. We were soaking wet. I mean, we were head to toe wet already from the snow, but now we're just soaked to the bone. And I wouldn't really know what to do. So we walked back to his house and his mom was like, boys, what happened? I'm like, Well, we were sledding and we ended up in the creek and she's like, you guys have to be freezing. And she's like, let me dry your clothes. And I was like, uh, ma'am, I don't I don't have anything else to put on. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a I was a huskier boy than my my very slim friend, Sam. And she was like, she's like, I don't think Sam's clothes are going to fit you, Hunt. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And she was like, look, here's a quilt. Go in the bathroom, take off your clothes, wrap up in this quilt and go sit by the fire and I'll dry your clothes. So we end up, I end up sitting buck naked, wrapped up in a quilt in front of the fire at my friend's house while his mom dries my clothes. Now you're probably thinking, well, that probably wasn't too bad. She just threw them in the dryer. No, no, she didn't throw them in the dryer. She dried everything out in the air. So she had to dry the cl- my clothes by the fire. So it took quite a bit of time to get my clothes dry by the time everything got dark and everything kind of started shutting down where it was like, I don't think you need to be walking home in the, in the pitch black darkness and 20 degree weather. Um, we decided that I probably just needed to spend the night. So his mom called mine and said, I think Sean's going to have to stay here. His clothes got wet and they're drying. So it was definitely an experience. And, uh, you know unfortunately not to bring things down but my my friend sam's life was cut fairly short and so that's one of the uh, really great memories i have with him so uh, that's one i'm always going to hold on to and one I always think about anytime we get snow
0: how about you nick
1: that's, that was sweet
0: uh, i was gonna make a joke about you uh naked by a fire uh, yeah i, I didn't want to ruin that that sweet ending uh so, well i
1: appreciate anyway. that
0: yeah so th- we'll say that for another day Uh um, <laughs> So uh, this is, I think, either back in 2003 or 2004. I can't really remember, but do you remember that year um, where we just had, like, three weeks worth of snow? Yeah. It was, like, it snowed, um, and then, like, it was cold for, like, a week, so none of the snow melted. Yep. And then, uh, like, right when it was, like, starting to melt and roads were getting clear it snowed again
1: yeah Uh, so so i was out
0: of school for literally like two full weeks at that point uh fantastic because you know anybody who grew up in middle tennessee knows that snow days are rare and uh it it's only really works if you go to country schools or like county schools where, you know, all the like the country roads are the ones that aren't being cleared. So I have to shut down the entire district. Um, so we got two full weeks off. But the thing about me, when I grew up in Franklin, uh, our house was on top of the tallest hill in the neighborhood. So, yeah, prime sledding time. So uh, yeah. all the all the kids who lived in my neighborhood would come at the same day every single morning with their sleds uh and we made a day of it so like we like packed our house we did a thing uh where we would try to go down our hill and then there's kind of like a little drainage ditch that lets you like slide over the road and then my neighbor's house is on a hill but it goes like downhill so we would go down my hill across the street down their hill so it was like this giant like challenge thing and we went like a, all out trying to make it happen
1: like, like an we, incremental like downhill like you go downhill you go flat and you go downhill again yeah and of course yeah, you, like that.
0: you need speed for that you need a lot of momentum so we pulled out all the stops you know we had the wd-40 we were like (laughs) we were like building like ramps at the bottom to like launch and see if that gave us a running start uh we were like kind of like packing snow like trying to build like ice across the road which as as a older driver now i can assure (laughs) you was probably a terrible thing to do in your neighborhood uh but no one no one uh, said anything about that at the time and then, yeah, and then go down their hill. Um, and that was, that was like our day for two full weeks. Uh, Cause yeah, that was uh Franklin special school district was out for like, w- I, I want to say it was like a Wednesday where it started snowing. We went home early. Uh, it was canceled for like the entire next week. And then it was like Martin Luther King day was like the Monday yeah. after that. So it was almost like two full weeks of, just doing like nothing but snowing. But yeah, we, we would do that in the morning. Everybody would go home for lunch, you know, have a big pot of cocoa, some popcorn, something like that, and then all uh, get together at night and do the entire thing all over again. And yeah, I would say that was probably my best memory of snow. Better better than the uh, the ice storms of 2015 where I had to drive to work at two in the morning uh, in that every single day.
1: That doesn't sound like a good memory. Uh, it was not. Yeah,
0: Sean, why don't you let <laughs> the, uh, the wonderful listeners know where they can find your work?
1: Of course, you can find me at OnTheForeCheck. Uh, it's www.OnTheForeCheck.com. Um, and I am trying to, my goal this season in covering home games is to put out a, a reaction piece um, where I take a closer look at several game elements after each home game that i I cover um i'm also of course on twitter at SCSOTF. you can find me on the uh on the with the renegades with crazy charlie and the renegades of puck former guest on the show crazy charlie and of course i also do a podcast uh, which is also available on youtube with alex doherty of a to z sports called on the preds
0: well, like Sean mentioned, you can find my work also at ontheforcheck.com. You can also listen to me and my wonderful partner in crime and Kimmel every morning on the Locked on Predators podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at underscore nsmorgan. Uh, let us know if there's anything you want me to talk about on any of these shows. And yeah, until then. We'll see you next time. Thanks, as always, for listening to the On the Forecheck podcast. We'll be back with more shenanigans next week.